page 310 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions. Advanced Compliance Solutions has a new service offering for those who might be interested in getting their message out to the greater compliance community. It's a three-step process where I will work with you to design a message around your product or service offering. Get that message out in my one-month uh, series of podcasts. And then work with your sales and marketing team to understand how to present that message to a compliance officer. If you'd like more information on this new exciting service offering, give me a shout at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. In today's podcast, I'm joined again by Ben Lockwin. Ben is the Director of Global R&D at Biogen and an Operational Strategist in the pharmaceutical and healthcare space. Ben and I continue our exploration of the risk management process, and today we're going to talk about risk assessment. Uh, last week, we talked about forecasting. Next week, we're going to talk about risk-based monitoring and tie it all together for you. This is a very interesting series that I put together with Ben, and I think if you listen to all three parts, it will really help you in understanding the entire risk management evaluation process. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and welcome to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today, I'm continuing my exploration of the journey I'm taking with Ben Lockwin, the Global Director of R&D at Biogen and an Operational Strategist in the pharma and healthcare industries on the risk management process. In our last podcast, we took a look at forecasting, and today I wanted to visit with Ben about risk assessments and risk-based monitoring as uh, follow-alongs to the forecasting we dis discussed. So with that, Ben, uh, welcome. Thanks, Tom. It's great to be back with you. So, Ben, in my world of uh, anti-corruption compliance, you really cannot say enough about risk assessment. Uh, everyone says, starting with uh, lawyers, starting with the regulators, starting with the business process people, says it all starts with risk assessment. So uh, from, from that perspective, uh, where does risk assessment fall in the risk management process after forecasting, and what are some of the key steps that you would see a compliance practitioner of, of really any science uh, utilizing? I think, you know, the the factor where risk assessment and risk management um, fall into everything is exactly where you had mentioned. You know, it's, it's squarely at the front end of the process, and you really can't consider to be doing compliance properly or appraising your policies and practices well if you don't have uh, a good risk assessment and management set of processes in place. Something that you had um, mentioned in your blog last week was that the uh, FCPA guidance, the Department of Justice and the SEC said that, quote, the assessment of risk is fundamental to developing a strong compliance program and is another factor DOJ and SEC evaluate when assessing a company's compliance program, end quote. Um, you know, so in the context of the DOJ and SEC giving credit to companies that have a good faith, comprehensive risk-based compliance program, um, I think what that allows you to do is, as you say, have compliance be seen not simply as a legal prophylactic, but as a business process. And, you know, this allows you to really take a step back and say, all right, if we're going to put in place 
uh, a really reasonable risk assessment program. What does it look like? Why is it so important? And, you know, it, it always makes me think about the first thing I would want to do is to understand what the likelihood of something going wrong versus right is for my business. Now, this could be um, as simple as, let's say, a product or a service defect, or it could be something in the compliance space that has to do with um, corrupt practices. But, you know, you're always going to have the what is our target versus what is our actual performance. And between the two, there's always going to be some sort of delta. There's a difference between what we're intending to happen versus what actually happens. So if we look at what that delta represents, there's some chance that there is a market failure that's going to occur, um, whatever the market failure may be, like I said. And uh, you know, some examples that we had talked about in the past, it could be product failures. It could be, um, for example, Chipotle's case where they had um, several of their restaurant locations contaminating the patrons, and they've really had a hard time getting their stock back on track um, it could be Samsung in the case with their um, Note 7 uh, battery exploding. And, you know, just these potentially multi-million dollar or even billion dollar failures. And it, it, to some large degree, some of these examples that I just mentioned are as much about reputation in the public and public perception as they are about, um, let's say, actual harm or uh, just financial loss simply. So in terms of quantifying a risk assessment, if you knew in advance what one of these failure modes might be, uh, you would certainly apply resources to it in order to offset the risk or to fix it. So what I mean by that is if you knew that there was a 30% chance, let's say, of, of one of these issues occurring in your business or a 50% chance of one of these issues occurring, the executive committee, the decision-making boards, anybody um, with reasonable intentions for the, the future success of the company would say, okay, we have a quantified pro probability that this, that this issue will occur, and we have to act, and we have to act now. And so risk assessment allows you to come up with these alternatives, these counterfactualizing cases where you start to say, Let's compile into what's called a risk registry, our ordinal list of risks in order to say, these particular items we think uh, have the highest likelihood of occurring in the business. And if they do occur, then we've put ourselves uh, in the face of potentially abject uh, market risk, consumer perception risk, uh, fraud risk, you know, any of these potential buckets and what we need to do is we need to apply resources, we need to apply uh, capital in, in order to make sure that these problems aren't allowed to persist or occur or recur in the business. And so really the front end of all this is uh, have you properly assessed your risk so that you can then take action? So Ben, let me ask you um, that uh, as I understand forecasting or excuse me, risk assessment would follow things that either forecasting did not reliably predict for or those things that a forecasting model raised as potential outcomes, which could be troubling, critical themes, or perhaps even uh, legal issues for a corporation. How does a compliance officer, who should a compliance officer work with to follow on 
on the risk assessment prong after the forecasting. Is that something in your experience that's uh, siloed within organizations so there's really no continuity there? Or do you see that uh, really unidimensional continuum of a straight line working together to move to the risk assessment and, and later uh, strategies? I think that's a great question. In a lot of uh, companies and frankly across a lot of different industries, it, it tends to be handled in vastly different ways. So for example, within healthcare, um, oftentimes there are folks who are involved in um, risk management itself. So that would be a functional silo whose job is to worry about uh, compliance risk. So now this group would tend to work with quality control, quality assurance, and um, the chief compliance officer to make sure that corporate compliance guidelines are adhered to, to ensure that um, any other regulated guidelines that the company needs to adhere to, for example, um, ISO or GXP for pharmaceuticals and healthcare, that these um, are also adhered to. So you'll have a specific department which is involved in, let's say, drug safety, or quality and risk management. But in other industries, uh, corporate compliance stands alone. And then in some cases, they'll have an operational risk group whose job is to look at, let's say, production success, uh, what's called OEE, which is an acronym for um, operational, uh, well, there's TEEP, which is total equipment effective performance. And um, OEE stands for overall equipment effectiveness. And these basically are showing you what your likelihood of getting uh, successful widgets, successful batches completed are. And these folks then would have statistics of what their failure rates are, what defect modes are. And so the operations group would then feed back into the business and say, we've seen uh, this level of discrepancies, these non-conformities, and so these pose potential threats for future operating risk. But um, to address your question directly again, uh, there's, there's not really um, one way that's been adopted. And one of the things that you've written about, which I think is very important too, is that um, the compliance program itself and building in this risk assessment process like we talked about, which is you know, something that DOJ and SEC are really considering to be the hallmark of good compliance programs, it all needs to be operationalized. And what that essentially means is it has to be tangibly built into the DNA, into the fabric of the organization so that it's not that the organization does what it's intending to do and produces some level of defects which have to be identified or corrected later. But there's a lot of forethought put into the business model at the front end so that uh, the ability to appraise issues hopefully forecast issues before they even occur so that resources can be shunted to prevent issues from, from arising. Um, but when issues occur, there is an operationalized compliance program so that you've got a good forecasting methodology, you've got a great risk assessment plan put into place so that you're able to identify these issues. And it's not coming up by random chance that someone is detecting these things. It's really codified in the business so that you know exactly how well you're doing what it is you intend to do. Ben, if we could, I would like to turn now to the next step in the process, which we've labeled risk-based monitoring. 
And uh, I believe I've got you quoted correctly saying that risk-based monitoring is really about a continuous ongoing monitoring for those things which provide the most potential future risk to you. In other words, instead of a static registry that may come in part with forecasting where you would say we try to anticipate these risks by using the risk-based monitoring to review issues on an ongoing basis and the models that are behind the risk-based modeling, risk-based monitoring models, they're continuously refined uh, with incoming data. That almost sounds like a, a continuous feedback loop, but how um, does someone utilize the tool of risk-based monitor monitoring to further refine the first two steps of forecasting and risk assessment? Yeah, this is really important. So there's lots of data um, that we have about various industries on where corruption, where compliance problems are likely to happen. And of course, you know, the best data will come from individual organizations on their own. So when they're appraising what they do, to then be able to say, how can we measure this information on an ongoing basis in as real time as possible to be able to adapt our business models to uh, continuous change, which again ties back into the forecasting component and the quote of change is the only constant. So instead of assuming that the world will be static outside of the organization and you know the, the organization just continues to do what it does, it really needs to consider itself much like the Red Queen effect where every Everything is moving forward in time at a high, uh, a high level of velocity. And if you're not continuously adapting to the environment, essentially what you're doing is you're tacitly allowing the environment to pass you by. And the risk, of course, is that, that your products, um, your services will be less in vogue, less popular, less focused, less successful than your competitors because they're all rushing forward, uh, again, at this faster velocity. Um, so, you know, I think if I, we look I at stop you right there, because you said something that not only warmed my heart, but I think is incredibly important. And that's the increased velocity. And the reason I want to point it out now is I continually tell people that a compliance program are like brakes on a car. You don't have brakes on a car so you can slow down. You have brakes on a car so you can go fast and that you have a by having a nimble, efficient, and effective compliance program, you're an, you are able to respond to changes in market conditions, changes in legal conditions, changes in any conditions by having that in place. So I have to say, it really warmed my heart when you said that. Thank you. <laughs> Good. Um, it, and let me, let me also touch on a point that you had mentioned in one of your recent blog posts, too, and I'll, I'll, and I'll sort of unpack a little bit of the detail a bit. So you said that the plethora of data on where and how corruption is likely to occur, coupled with meaningful sales and expense data, the compliance professional should be able to move from detect to prevent to prescriptive compliance solutions to prevent legal violations. So if we look at that, so move from detect to prevent to prescriptive. So detect means that an issue likely has occurred and you're finding it now. To, to prevent is essentially then saying, of course, we expect that this may or could happen, so what are we going to do so that we are disallowing it with our systems to occur? And then the prescriptive part is how do we build into our systems and models something that makes us more robust to risk and change? 
And <clears throat> this is really something that's called the trumpet of doom. So there's a difference between what's called judgment errors, inspection, and prevention errors. And so these are three increasingly effective levels of promoting proper corporate compliance. So in your analogy, judgment essentially are these, these um, uh, detection events. So judgment refers to the problems that have already happened. So the widget's already been created, as it were. And now someone is using opinion to determine if it's a good widget or a bad widget. And this is putting all of your company's processes in the hands of an end arbiter to decide, which is very dangerous. The next level down is inspection. So these are the problems which are detected at some point along the path of processing. And in a lot of cases, there, there's wiggle room to rework and course correct it. So these tend to not be as expensive as these judgment level errors, but again, if we go back to the velocity example, the arrow's already in flight. So there's already been front-end costs put in in terms of OPEX and CAPEX. It, money's been spent to produce something that could be found to have defects. But if we put our emphasis on the prevention bucket, that refers to establishing controls at the front end of the process. So better policies, better procedures, more repeatable activities, better risk assessment, which can eliminate the occurrence of issues before they're allowed to be produced and thus eliminating all the costs, which could be capital, the reputational costs that I mentioned, the ethical costs associated with the issues. And the reason this is called the trumpet of doom is because if you look at the shape of these three themes on an XY axis that they occupy of time versus cost, so on the X axis you have time, how far along the process are these occurring, and then the Y axis going up is cost. So as you delay the finding of defects and corruption until the end of the process, the cost goes from very low at the prevention stage. So on the left side of your x-axis, you're at very low cost if you prevent it from occurring. To then the inspection phase, you've got this kind of midline where you're spending quite a bit of money to put people, put resources, put systems in place to try to screen issues. And then at the very end is this judgment inspection, essentially, where the judgment event occurs once the widget, the service, the product has already been created. The cost has already been uh, embodied into the final product. And now you're, you're essentially giving it this, this judgment value of go, no go, good, not good. And the cost is already built in. So you really want to move things to the leftward of this chart uh, onto the prevention side of things um, so that you're using these risk models to help you as best as possible so that you're not producing things which either need to be reworked with escalating costs or they have to be scrapped. There's some sort of failure, there's some sort of compliance problem, uh, which certainly you don't want to happen. So that's a, a great way to uh, wrap this up. and. Uh... Unfortunately, uh, because we're at the end of our time, but we're going to continue this conversation in our next podcast. So, Ben, uh, thank you very much. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. For those of you who don't know Ben Lachlan, he is a healthcare expert who is frequently featured in the popular media. He gives speeches internationally and specifically has written about forecasting, assessment, and monitoring risk in the life science sciences industries. He has also taught risk management and modeling at universities and to top Fortune 500 companies in automotive, aerospace, food and beverage, pharmaceutical, and other industries. He can be reached at ben.lockwin at healthcarescienceadvisors.com. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as it would help in our rankings and getting the word out about this podcast to the greater compliance community. 
This is Tom Fox. I'd like to thank you very much for listening to the FCPA Compliance Report. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.